I think I'm definitely losing my voice after three of these. And we're going to sing Rattle after as well. Hey, um, welcome to our new series in a new year, 2021. It's exactly what I was expecting it to be last year. It's a series called Rebound, On the Rebound. I had this picture in my spirit when we were singing. I had this picture in my spirit that sometimes you think that because of what's happening around you, that it has to happen in you. Not true. And then you think that what's happening around you is so great that God can't get around it. On the rebound, did you know that you can rebound from 2020 better than you were before and far better than you were before? When I'm, I'm talking the series rebound, it's going to be largely about money because a lot of stuff is about money. Maybe you haven't noticed. But how many people know that when you get double, what's that called when, on a trampoline, when you get double, double bounced? I feel like what the Holy Spirit's going to do today and in this series to begin this new year for you, I think he's, the Holy Spirit's going to double bounce you on that trampoline. So you think to yourself, well, you know, it's a, the economy and this and that. And the Holy Spirit is like, I got an economy too. I got everything that you need right here. And he's going to double bounce you right off of that trampoline, I hope. Right off of that treadmill that you're running on. Listen, Deuteronomy 28 says this, God is speaking to his people in the Old Testament. Now, how many people know that if the Old Testament blessings were great, the New Testament are much greater? This is what he says. This is like the B team getting to play right now. If this is the B team, imagine what God wants to do in your life this year. He says, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. You ready for the list of blessings? Now, this is also what he's saying. If you obey the Lord your God, he's saying, fight that fight. Or fight all of these fights. You can fight the one fight, which is like, make Jesus Lord. You can fight the one fight. If you fight that fight, here's the byproduct of what God wants to do in your life. It would be like me talking to my daughters. And how many people know that when I talk to my daughters, they don't look at me and they're like, oh, great. Now he's going to teach me about money because he wants all my money. Probably wants me to give more to the church. You have to understand that God's got everything that you need and he's trying to find a way to get it to you because that's what good dads do. And this is what he wants for you. And this is his promise. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, your towns and your fields will be blessed. How many people know that everybody needs some blessing? I was talking to the city manager when this whole thing went down months and months ago. And he's like, oh my goodness, the budget. Yeah, well, God says, hey, people of God, if you do this, your towns and your cities will be blessed. Oh, come on. Your fields will be blessed. Your children and crops will be blessed. How many of us are living in homes with unblessed children right now? All right, let's fix it. It says you're... The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. And you'll have enough, so relax. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. Now, how much energy do you spend every place you go trying to be blessed? God's like, if you do, just obey me, every place you go will automatically. Just put it on autopilot, like those new cars. Just go and make yourself a cup of coffee. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. God is saying there, like, I'm going to hit Goliath so hard that his grandparents are going to feel it. Come on. His great, big, giant, ugly, ogre grandparents. The Lord, well, you don't know if you're clapping like, is that a thing? I just made that up. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. 
today is our first day of 21 days of prayer and fasting where we're giving things up that our flesh wants because we need to focus for the new year and we need to give the energy that we expend on gratifying our flesh. We need to give that to Christ and focus and pray more. And there's a, a version Bible plan. Get the emails and go. There's a version Bible plan. A whole bunch of us are on. So go through that with us um, where we're giving things up that we like that we can live without because we can't live without God. Uh, my daughter, Neela, today, we were reading the Bible before church and, and, and uh, she has her own devotions and she goes, ah, she's sitting right here. She goes, ah, I really wanted coffee this morning, but I'm fasting it. Neela's 11 and she's addicted to coffee. If you think I'm a bad parent, you don't have four kids. So. She's addicted to coffee by the time she was five, I think. Anyways, thanks, Sean. We just ran out of energy, man, that fourth kid. But we're giving things up because we want to focus on the new year. Well, what a better, better time to preach a series called Rebound. And let's get our money right. Let's get our finances right. Because when God sorts out the finances of his kids, then he can bless them, not just in the area of finances, but in everything else. Listen, if you find out how heaven thinks about money, it's how heaven also thinks about a lot of things. So I can throw a baseball in the air and gravity affects it. Or we could fly a plane through the air and gravity still affects it. If you get gravity right, it will affect things like, I mean, if you're married... How many people know that how you handle money, listen, whoever drives, whoever handles the money is who's driving. (laughs) Awkward. Oh yeah, it's going to get awkward. Just wait. Um, But how many people know that when God is actually driving, then he actually sorts out those other things. You read it here. He's just, here's a whole list of a byproduct of things that I want to do in your life. If you get the first thing right, I'll just do all the other things for you. And you don't have to spend all your time wasting your time trying to be blessed every place that you go. God is like, I'll do it. I'll just do it for you. Um, have you ever, though, have you ever struggled financially? Have you ever kind of been like, or you have a business or you, you're just like every month you're a bit behind or you bought that thing that you got to, you know, that truck you got to pay off for the next eight years from Kaplet. No, I'm just kidding. He's not, he's not going to tell you to buy something you can't afford, but listen, like you pay it off for eight years and you find out that you owe more than it. And you have just this bog down. You're not sure how to, to spend money. You're doing better than your parents, but it's still not that great. You want to be more generous. You just, you're kind of locked up. And if you've ever struggled financially, like if you're married, that weight, every day you think about it, every day it weighs you down. It's like carrying, you know, a a bunch of weights around on you. It's hard. It makes everything difficult. I think that dads who are struggling financially don't connect with their kids as well. You're just thinking about it all the time. You're just preoccupied all the time. Did you know that God doesn't want you to worry about it for one more minute? It would be like me watching my daughters. You know why I teach them very, uh, very um, directly about money? Because I don't want them ever to have to think about it or worry about it. I don't want them to marry men who treat stuff like it's more important than them. And I'm going to teach them what it's like so that when they meet guys who do that, they're going to be like, this is weird. And so, but when I preach to them or when I talk to them about money, you preach to your kids, come on. I'm just like, hey, let's remove emotion from it because emotion has, should have nothing to do with it. Money needs to serve us, and instead of, uh, of money actually driving, the car. And so if you've ever struggled, you know that it weighs you down. And God does not want his children lacking bread and worried about it. God is in heaven. He's like, I got all of this stuff. I'm trying to get it to you. And so let's figure that out in this sermon series. And we're just going to go through the word of God. And Jesus is going to show us, hey, here's how you think about it. Here's what you do if you want it. So the other side of that, too, I would say is you don't have to. Like, if you enjoy struggling, struggle. Sometimes some of you had parents that spoiled you and just gave you everything that you wanted without even asking for it. God's not that person. God's like, ask me. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, 
give us this day our daily bread. Why doesn't God just give it to me? Because he doesn't raise spoiled kids. If he just gave you a month of bread, you'd be like, I'm amazing. Look at all the things that I did. God's like, it's not because you're amazing. It's because I'm amazing. And when you focus on that, every day you come to God and pray the prayer that I pray every single morning, God, feed my wife and my daughters and myself. Just like you did yesterday. Every day we have bread. Now, I'm not saying, but listen, the struggle, God does never want you to have struggle. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of watching Christ followers struggle about money. God doesn't want that for you. So let's get our, our, our finances on track here and let's uh, get going here. I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, by the way, so you're going to love it. I'm going to talk about how much we fight about our budget, our grocery budget. You don't think that's funny? You're going to enjoy it. All right. Um, Joyce Myers. Do we have any Joyce Myers fans? I watched a whole Joyce Myers sermon the other day, and she, she said, yeah, when we first got married, what's her husband's name? Dave. How do you all know that? <laughs> Creepy. Um, and, and so she said, when, I, when we first got married, because she, she, she's talking about this idea that whoever controls the money controls the relationship, right? Whoever controls the money controls the business. And so she's like, so I was in charge of the money. She said, Dave could have the remote control, but I wanted the money. Then she thinks about it and she says, well, I, I wanted the remote control too. <laughs> I think that's kind of how our lives are. You know, we're just like, hey, uh, everybody who, uh, in relationship with me, just let me drive. But, you know, people don't really want to go where you want to go because I don't know that you know where you're going. And I don't think that you know where tomorrow goes. And I think that, you know, between the two of you and God, who's better suited, do you think, to make financial decisions? Because, oh, I'm good with money. Are you? You've handled a lot of money in your giant lifetime. Between you and God, who's better suited to make your financial decisions? You can sit there and struggle all you want. Or you can let God do it for you. And he can just remove all the things that we spend our entire lives just wasting our time on. Faith, you ready, is letting God drive where he wants to go. Faith is letting God drive where he wants to go. I had this picture um, that, that when we're trying to drive, because if you control the money, you control the relationships, right? And I'm going to show you uh, how, how Aaron and I, the mistakes that we made there. Um, but, but when you try to drive your life, God describes you as a sheep, right? Now, have you ever seen a sheep with their dirty little hooves trying to drive something? <laughs> this is it, man. God, has, God is a shepherd, which means he has hands. And God wants to drive the truck and have the sheep in the back of the truck. But this is what you and I do is we get our dirty little rear ends up on the driver's seat. And we try to sit on God's lap and drive for him because we don't think he knows where he's going. And then just imagine like a, a sheep with those hooves. Is that what they are? Oops. trying to steer anything. It doesn't physically work. And God is trying to get you out of the driver's seat and say, let me drive and get in the back. And listen, it can be just as simple as and stop biting your sister. Just get along with people. Oh my goodness. You're trying to drive everything. Just get in the back and let me do the driving. Um, in the beginning of our marriage, this is how it went. I, I started in our marriage. I started by handling the money. Um, I'm more of like a numbers guy. I don't mean like spreadsheets. That freaks me out. Um, but numbers like our bank book, my bank book. When, when I got married, I had never like missed a dollar in my bank book. Cause, cause do we have any numbers people in the house? Like this number adds up to this number every time. Yep. Now, do we have any other, um, more like maybe my, my wife who's lovely, by the way, <laughs> do we have any more people who are like. I don't know what happened to the money, people. Do we have any people who find money in, their, in, their, in a jacket sometimes? And are like, oh my goodness, what a great surprise. There's money in my pocket. 
If you don't raise your hand, your husband is going to raise it for you. Okay. <laughs> so we have like numbers people, and then we have people who are like, oh my goodness, I just found $100 in my coat pocket. Do you know why I never find money in my coat pocket? Because it never goes in my coat pocket. It goes in my wallet, which goes in the same place as it did the last time, as it did the time before that. And so no surprises. And then we have the people who are like happily surprised, but also unhappily surprised. And so in the first part of our marriage, I did the bank book. And this was back in the day, you millennials, you might not know this, where we actually had to go to the bank and talk to humans and deposit things and get cash out. And you know what I mean? And so, so, um, so when, when Aaron was a stay at home mom, then she was doing the books for my dad's church at the time. And so I thought, well, you might as well do our books too, because my career was taking me out. I just was never around to do the banking and, and stuff. And so, and my wife is like super brilliant with numbers, like, like super brilliant, like way more brilliant than I am with that. But, but for some reason it wasn't working out at home. And then there would be all these like nasty little surprises about every couple of weeks or month. Like, and why do we have less money in the account than I think that we have, you know, and my brain, brain is blowing up and her brain is blowing up because she doesn't have freedom or something. And so we went from that to that, to then like, I took it back over again until we went through a program called Dave Ramsey's financial freedom university. Now we are starting a small group right now. That is Dave Ramsey. God gave an anointing to a man who will show you how to do it. I wish we would have done it earlier. I just, it's the only thing that I wish about our money that we would have done it. I wish I would have done it in high school, honestly. It, would, it was such a powerful, well, like, here's how you deal with it. Here's how you pay off debt. Here's how you live. Here's how, I'm telling you, the blessings are incredible, but you just have to do it. And so then we did that. And a funny thing happened. I stopped steering and Aaron stopped steering and we put God in the driver's seat. And we put this thing called a tight budget there too. So now it's not, she's answering to me for the money and I'm answering to her for the money. Now it's, we both answer to God with extreme generosity and we answer to a godly budget. We both do it, which means and you're going to hear about it. I'm going to be talking about budget so that when she misspends or when I misspend, give the other person heck because you ought to keep your word, but it's powerful because you're not the one controlling it. God is actually, if you need a miracle, you can't be driving. You don't have the button that, that lifts you off the ground. You just, um, listen in the flesh. You can only add, you might be good with numbers. You can only add heaven multiplies, but here's the deal. Heaven can't multiply the number zero. It's good pastor. That makes sense. Pastor. I get it. I'm a numbers person. Okay. Um, but money is something that just kind of scratches an, an itch, doesn't it? You know, you're only here to do two things, connect with God and connect with people. And if there's like a need in your life, that's it. Connecting with, when this is out, everything else gets out too. But money becomes this funny little thing that we use to try to connect. So we use money to try to connect with God maybe, but with people and, and it's scratching an itch. How you spend money, I can tell a lot about you by looking at your bank book. I can tell what you love. I can tell what you don't care about. I can tell how you're trying to fill the needs in your life that maybe only God can fill. And we as Canadians, we're so private. We're like, well, that's all, that's my responsibility. And that's my, listen, until you open that up to the community of faith around you, you're never going to get better. You're still going to be driving that. And it's only natural and you can only do what you can do in the natural. You might be good in the natural, but someday you're going to need a miracle and you don't know how to do those. And God does. And so, um, so we were, um, in, in Montana, we used to spend some summers down in Montana and some, some very generous friends of ours would let us stay there. Um, they were generous with us anyways, it would let us stay there. And one time I was going, cause I would buy the groceries when we were there. Cause I'm staying for free. And then I get to like drive their boat or their sea do ever driven a sea do those things are fast. Anyways. <laughs> um, and so one day I was going into town and I said to 
Aaron's friend, who, they, 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 we would overlap when we were there, the families wouldn't. And I said to her, do we need anything for groceries? She's like, we're out of vegetables, get some vegetables. And I'm like, just as a, an exercise, I'm like, I'm going to go and check the fridge, which was a huge mistake. So I opened the fridge door. How many people know, like, when your fridge door is just barely closed because it's packed with so much stuff that it, like, you open it and then it just, like, <laughs> we're out of vegetables. I count it. Come on, count with me. Was there, like, four kinds of vegetables? That's a lot of vegetables, right? I argue when there's, like, two or three vegetables. And I told God the other day, I'm like, God, in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you want me to fast vegetables for 21 days, I'm in. <laughs> and I'll fast. Maybe I'll just fast them all year just to glorify your name, Lord. And uh, kind of like four vegetables, five vegetables. I, I go, I'm, I'm going through the fridge. I'm counting. Six, seven. How many? Come on. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve kinds of vegetables. The fridge wouldn't even shut. And I'm thinking, she doesn't need vegetables. And I'm thinking, you don't need the thing that you need, that you think that you do. You're trying to scratch an itch with it. What she was looking for was connection and a sense of safety. And she was finding it in vegetables. Now you find it in your money somewhere. You find a sense of safety and security somewhere in how you spend money. But what if you found that in Christ? And what if you stop trying to scratch that itch by filling your fridge with so many vegetables you can't eat it and you're going to throw it all away, which is what happened every single week. They would throw more vegetables out, this family would. And I realized, you know, the funny thing was she had more than maybe most of you had because I was in the trades world at the time and I was making good money. And her husband probably made two or three times the money that I made. And I'm like, what would they need? And I realized... She has everything, but she's still trying to scratch an itch. And I thought, only God can scratch that, that itch inside of her. And that's what I, I don't want that to be you. Because the other thing was, they, they weren't very generous with God. In fact, she went to church for 30 years, and I don't think gave a cent in the offering. And I'm thinking, how, how is that a thing? You have all that you need. You have more than you need. And you're not generous with God about these things? Who saved your soul and who just wants to help other people? And I thought, there's something wrong here. You're, you're collecting things and you're trying to feel safe by doing that, but it won't make you feel safe because only God can. Did you like that thing about fasting vegetables? Is anybody on board with that? Okay, good. I can just prophesy it if you want me to. Um, dependence on God is way better than dependence on the economy, on your job, on your spouse, or on inheritance money or anything else that you might be expecting. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he fed you yesterday when you asked him to, and he'll feed you today. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, don't store up treasures here on earth. Oh, why not? He says, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and COVID comes in and takes all your investments. <laughs> and where thieves break in and steal. All this money that we're getting, guys, from the government, guess what? You're paying for it. Hmm? Um, store your treasures in heaven, Jesus is saying. Look, he's like, governments are kind of the same guys, it's earthly. They're bound in earthly structures. Even really great governments, really great with money, can only do what earthly governments can do. He's like, there's another kingdom. There's another economy that is not bound by this one in any way, shape, or form. There's a multiplying economy. And then, and then he says this, um, where thieves do not break in and steal. So here's a quote I want you to take home today. Earthly resources can buy heavenly investments. Think about that. Where else do you get that offer from? I can take monopoly money and buy a house. He's saying you can, you can take your monopoly money here, which you can't take with you. And you're only using to rent stuff with, you can take this, your resources. I don't mean just money. I mean, time and resources and energy and your lifeblood. You can take this and invest in heaven where he's like, I'm the banker, 
but I'm not the banker who's making money. I'm the banker who's rolling your investments forward and building you a mansion. Like for all my kids. And I'm going to show you how to invest here. You know, there's more uh, scriptures about money, about handling money than there is about just about anything else. Why? Because God knows that if money's in charge, he's not. And if he can get money off of the throne in your life and that worry and that fear, if he can remove that from you, then he could actually drive where he wants to go. And Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Listen, you know, when I was a kid, I used to read that in Sunday school, but I used to read it like this, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Right? Like, it makes sense to us as Canadians, I think. Where my heart is, there my treasure will be, right? Because I'm where my heart is and my money's, you know, or whatever. That's not what the Jesus says. He's like, no, no. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your treasure goes, there your heart goes. That's why I say I can look at your bank account and tell you what you love. Tell you what you're investing in. Because wherever that goes. And so, sometimes I think that we're praying about all the wrong things. Like you're praying, you're worried about your teenager because they're teenagers. And you're like, I just want them to love Jesus. You know, the best thing you can do to get their heart with Jesus is to get their treasure with Jesus. Incentivize them. Teach them like I teach my kids. Give your money in the Sunday school. You're like, oh, why? Because the pastor can take all the money and run away with it. Look, if I was going to do that, I wouldn't tell my own kids to. I want them to be blessed. I don't want them to ever have a worry about money. One minute of one day in their lives. And this is the only way to do it. I'm going to be like, here, this is how you do it. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So start sowing your treasure. Listen, some, some of you are, here, here's point number two. Money issues are heart issues. They're heart issues. That's what scares us. You can't do surgery. You can't do heart surgery on yourself. And you can't do it on your husband, ladies. What does society tell us? You know, like guard your heart and do all this. Yeah, there's the point of like guarding your heart, but you can't do heart surgery on yourself. You spend your whole life trying to fix your heart. You can't do it. God is the only one who can change a heart. And then you try to, then you get married and you're like, oh, this is great. They're lovely people. And then you find out that they're not. <laughs> then you spend the rest of your marriage trying to fix their heart. Well, if only they would love me more. And if only they would, you know, all of that is like, because before that you actually were trying to do your own heart surgery and that didn't work out well. So then, you know, it's like God gave you somebody to experiment surgery on. Because you failed at yours, right? And how many people know, like, it's fun to do heart surgery on your own spouse? It's like, does that hurt? Yeah, well, now you know what it feels like. Am I the only one who's married here? It's, look, it's going to get much more real than this. So you got to loosen up a bit. Listen, you can't do heart surgery on yourself. You know what you can do is you can use your treasure to get you to the surgery room where God does it. Where God knocks out your teenager and does the surgery for you. Just get on the surgery table and let God do the heavy lifting. Your heart follows your earthly treasure. And then Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Oh, see, this is what got Israel in trouble. Because there were these gods of the nations around them, like Baal, the god of the crops, and, and then the god of fertility and the economy. And So the devil doesn't mind if you share Yahweh, who is Israel's god, the name of God our father. The devil doesn't mind if you share him with a bunch of others. Because he's still not driving. Why? Because he's not going where they're going. You want anything else to drive in your life but God, God just jumps out. He's like, I'm not going there. I didn't sign up for that. I signed up to go where I want to go, which is best for you too. And God does not share the throne. God does not share the steering wheel with a bunch of dirty little sheep and dirty little gods trying to create all these other things in your life. And so Jesus is saying, come on guys. And he's speaking to some religious people who got this wrong. So like, you can't serve... 
two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He's like, money is supposed to be your servant, not the other way around. And if all you do is go and work every day, and all you're doing is feeding people, you become a slave in your own mind to these things. And God's like, no, no, you're supposed to be a son. You're supposed to be a daughter of God. You're supposed to be an owner in the company. But listen, you get the company. You didn't create the company that Jesus made. You just get to live in the salvation. You get to go to in all of eternity. So here's something, here's something that the Holy Spirit showed me. That God calls for a tenth. And we're going to be, eventually as the series moves on, we're going to be talking about generosity. You need to give, look, if you're not a Christ follower and this isn't your church, give 10% of what comes in away. I don't care where you give it, just give it away. But, but God says, if this is your church, God says, hey, give, put it in the storehouse that there may be bread in my house so you don't starve spiritually. What's a 10% investment for that? Um, but God's saying, and it will remind you that you're not God. And it'll remind you, listen, I have no problem preaching to God's people about what to do with God's money. Unless you think it's yours. Right. No, God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. This all belongs to me. It's all coming back to me. And so, but listen, we can give 10% to God or study the Old Testament scripture in the seven years of plenty. Pharaoh, Pharaoh will take 20. If you won't, I see people who refuse. I see people in the church refuse to give God 10%. Pharaoh will take 20. But Pharaoh will own you in the end. What happened was they had to sell their land to Pharaoh to eat in a time of famine. Come on, COVID fans. In a time if they had to sell their land to the government, they had to sell themselves as slaves to the government. They had to sell their children as slaves to the government. Is this too real? You think history doesn't repeat itself. God's like, hey, give me the 10th and I'll put you on this whole other thing. We don't have to worry about any of that. Just a whole different system. All right. That's why I tell you, Jesus says, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Another translation says it like this. I really want you to catch this. It says, don't worry about how you will stay alive. Don't worry. God is saying to you right now, don't worry about how you're going to live, whether you're going to live or die. Don't worry. You know what COVID did? It made everybody worry about how we're going to stay alive. And God's like, that's my job. In our home, when my kids were small, and I said, hey, dad's going to take care of this thing. And my little six-year-old would come and be like, dad, I want to fix the toy. And I'm like, you want to take it out of my hands? You want to fix it with those tiny little hands that have never fixed anything? God's saying, why are you worried about living and dying? It's my job to worry about you. Don't do me a favor and snatch the steering wheel out of my hands with your little hooves. It's gross. Don't do it. You can't even drive with those things. Let me do it. Like, just get out of the seat. Let me do it. I'll fix it for you. You can go back to your life. Look at the birds, Jesus says. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Have you noticed this year, if you're in Airdrie, how the birds are singing? I've never heard it like this. Every day I go out and I'm like, why are there even birds here? Do they not know that it's winter? I mean, the border's all closed down and they kept all the birds up. They're not transporting emergency supplies. Non-essentials. You know what? Here's a beautiful thing. I think that, that we look at the birds and we're like, that's a pretty good gig. All they do is like sing for their living. Because why? Because their job is to work for God. And God's like, sing. So these silly little people look up every now and again and think about like, hey, I wonder who created that bird. 
I wonder who they're singing to. Maybe he could take care of me instead of me taking care of me because it's not working. And God's like, and I'm going to feed them with seed that they didn't even sow. If you work for God, then how he feeds you is up to him. And don't worry about it. God doesn't let his kids starve. You think that it's in God's mind that he's going to be like, and starve, eat, starve, eat. You're his children. He just needs something to multiply. He just needs to show you how to do it. And he says this, can all your worries at a single moment. Did you like that? Starve, eat, starve, eat. You're going to go over and be like, you're starving. I'm eating your food. Except for the vegetables. You can have those. He says, Jesus says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Listen, get this. Can your worries do anything but subtract? I have never met somebody who's worried about anything that didn't subtract from the people around them. I mean, given into a spirit of worry. Now, here's the deal. You can have a love of money and have a lot of it, and you can have a love of money and have none of it. But this worry about where the next meal and where this tomorrow and where this is worry. Some of you see what worry does is worry creates unbelief. I'm going to preach this in just a minute. Worry creates unbelief and unbelief creates an anti-faith and nasty things come to those with anti-faith because there's faith in God. And then there's faith in the other thing. There's faith. People have great faith to get sick. You want to know who's sick all the time? People who talk about getting sick all the time. You ever notice that? You want to know who's broke all the time? People who talk about being broke all the time. There's something about it that, that the words of your mouth create a faith around it for something good or something bad, like good faith or anti-faith. And the devil is super attracted to anti-faith. Why? It gives him a playground. But, but what faith does is it denies the work of the devil and looks at the work of God and creates and pulls down heaven's supply to you. Just give me a minute. This worry thing. Let me just get back there. Do we have anybody in the house? Who, who, this is how you live. You're like, every place you go, you see the worst case scenario. And then when that doesn't happen, you tell yourself you'll be happy because you've thought about it. <laughs> now, Pastor Aaron, like you see her now and she's all great and healthy. And there was a day that she was kind of a conspiracy. She's still a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but she would like, you know, you drive to Calgary and I don't know how, how her brain would work sometimes. It, I don't know if it would work like this, but it would almost be like this, like, and then we're all going to die in a car accident, probably, and get hit by a semi that gets hit by a plane. And when that doesn't happen, it's like, oh, that didn't happen. I guess I'll be happy. Did you know that when you worry, you're never happy. You're always, in the very least, a little bit miserable. Why would you waste your time thinking of worst case scenarios all the time? That's God's job. The things that you were worried about all last year didn't actually happen to you, did they? Think about the millions of things that you worried about and how many of them happened to you. Two? Great job wasting your life. Great job wasting my life. Why was I worried about all those things? They never happened anyways. What a complete waste of time. Thank you. I, I do like that. Yeah. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. Everything that you need. He'll give you everything that you need. Not everything that you want necessarily. Everything that you need. As the team comes up here, we're going to sing a song that reminds us of when you look at what you can do and you look at what the devil is doing around you, it's not hard to imagine a bad future, but I think that the best way to get into a good future is to remind Goliath of the lion that God already killed. Did you know that Goliath wasn't the first giant David had faced? He had faced a lion and a bear as a teenage boy. That's a little scary. 
They would come after the flock, but because of David's love for the flock, he just went to it and God met him with a miracle. That way, when he went met a, a, a giant human spouting off all these blasphemies against God, he's like, I need to remove that gentleman's head from him because he's, he thinks that he's God. That's not right. But it wasn't the first giant that he'd faced. If you've come to Christ for the salvation of your dirty soul, do you think that him getting you your next meal is a difficult thing for him? We had no hope in the world. Nobody was coming for us. We couldn't save ourselves. We were eternally separated from God. We were not spending eternity in heaven with him. We had no connection with him whatsoever. We weren't part of his family. And he found you where you were, all addicted and messed up. Or maybe he found you in church. You've been to church your whole life and you'd never actually repented because he didn't think you'd done anything wrong. And one day you wake up and you're like, oh boy. And God saved your, when you had nothing, saved you from that mess that you got yourself in. And you knew that your dad was the devil. You knew he was coming. And God saves you from that. And then we're like, then COVID happens and we're like, God, how am I going to feed my family? And he's like, how am I going to do anything that I do? Because I can't. I figured out a way to save you in an impossible situation. In fact, I sacrificed my son for you. And you're worried about what you're eating and you're worried about whether you're going to live or die. That's my job. See, there's an if in the beginning of that statement in Deuteronomy about all the blessings. You're trying to get all the blessings, but God says, if you obey, fight that fight. Let me fight all the other fights is what he's saying. Somebody texted me the other day because our creative team put a, a quote out that I stole from Pastor Craig Rochelle. I'm pretty sure it was from him. He said, God responds, God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. Jesus just said, hey, he'll give you everything you need. We don't understand that, though. It doesn't sound right to me as a Canadian. God responds to, to faith and not need. Well, if he's got everything, why wouldn't he give us what we needed without us having to have faith or having to ask? Or Have you ever thought about that? Like, well, God, and, and somebody was asking us, I don't know if they're asking in a good way or a bad way, but like, hey, what scripture would back that up? And I'm like, well, A, you don't have to have a scripture that backs up everything because that gets a little creepy. Like, did you go to the bathroom? Yes. What scripture backs that up? get a little over spiritual sometimes but I thought well we could start it like John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave if you don't give you don't love that's why we say it here we give because we love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever needed him would get saved no matter if they wanted to or not would get saved because they're horrible sinners and really need it we find something in here in the economy of heaven and how it thinks that whosoever shall believe on him shall be saved. Shall believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That he keeps his promises. That he has the power to do so. Well, God, I don't have anything that I can see that. Well, if you have to see everything before you believe it, you have great faith to live your life the way you're living it right now. And a lot of it doesn't make sense. You had faith. You crossed a bridge of faith to get there. God, who's never broken one promise ever, who's never been ungood in one moment or one millisecond of the entire universe and its creation, he can't be trusted? No. What faith is, is the decision to obey before I feel it and before I see it. See, what God does is he does heart surgery on you and he fixes your finances and he fixes your marriage and he fixes your kid without you knowing anything about it if you just figure out a way to obey. He fixes it and then he'll turn you around afterwards, shine a light on it and say, see what you did and then see what I did? 
You spent your whole time trying to do this, but you can't. Just do this because I want you to. Just get in the back seat and quit biting your sister. Put a little money in the offering on the way by. Give a little bit to your person who needs to come on. Like, this can't buy you connection. But it can keep you from it. When need drives your finance mobile, you got to think about this. If need is driving you, first of all, God, it'll create an entitlement in you. Meaning, when I'm needy, why doesn't God just give it? Why does he make me ask for it? Because that makes you God. Do you know who gets everything he wants without asking for it? God. Your boss at work. And every time I get something without having to ask for it, that means I think that I'm God. Give it to me. I deserve it. And God's like, you don't deserve any of it. Ask me for it. We teach our kids, ask mom when you're hungry. Well, shouldn't they just give it? No, we don't want entitled kids. We don't want spoiled kids. Ask, because it's moms. Ask. What happens is if need is driving your bus right now, you know who the, the greatest, the most needy people on earth are? The most sinful. And sin doesn't drive God's bus ever. Faith does. So when you ask God today for, for more faith, he's going to tell you to do something that you disagree with. Because your obedience tells you how much faith you actually have. I see a lot of Christians who are like, I believe the Bible. And I'm like, you only believe the parts of the Bible that you're doing. You only have faith for those parts that you're actually obeying it. Well, shouldn't I have to agree before I obey? Oh my goodness, no. The devil would do that. You're not in good company if you have to agree with everything before you obey it. The devil does that. The devil would obey the scripture if he agreed with it too. No, the children of God ought to trust their God a little more. So when he says, hey, jump over here. Hey, go over and take a meal over to here. Then you just do it. God's like, good. I just needed something to multiply into your life. We pray every day for our pastors, Peter and Carolyn Haas from Substance Church. Every prayer that we pray for them comes true in our lives. Every single one. We pray for them for this and we get that this week. It's hilarious how that works. But we can't sit there and just pray about our own needs all the time. It's this idea of faith. Listen, the purpose of COVID was to get in the back seat of the car and to stay there. Heavenly Father, right now, we just remember all the works that you've done. And I think that, Lord, that we are, are blessed because of 2020 that we've had. Because we all got kicked out of the front seat because we couldn't drive anyways. And we were, are reminded that only God can do what we need in our nation right now. Only God can do in our lives what we need right now. And, Father, we remind ourselves that Goliath is nothing. Because you've already taken down Goliath in our life. You've already saved our soul from hell, which is greater than anything that you need to do in our lives in the future. And we remember the great power and faithfulness of the Lord our God.